Hi, everyone. Welcome to the 20s and 20 podcast, where we cover everything you need to know about your 20s in only 20 minutes. I'm Mallory Metz, and this is As Good As It Gets. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of 20s and 20. I'm Mallory Metz, and today in the studio, I'm so excited to announce we have a new guest, Sydney Phillips. Sydney, hello. tell, tell <laughs> us who you are. I am a real estate tech entrepreneur and a children's book author. I am a self-proclaimed inventor, futurist, and 2020 Forbes 30 Under 30 nominee. So we got... A lot of things going on. I usually, when I introduce myself, just call myself a Jane of all trades. I think that's a simple way to put it. Your resume (laughs) is extensive. For the listeners out there, Sydney and I actually don't know each other in real life. We have had a virtual e-meet, which I think is kind of exciting that you reach out to different podcasters, you know, to put yourself out there, get a platform. You know, I read your little bio and I'm going to tell you my jaw was on the floor. And I was like, normally I only have friends on this podcast, but I need this girl. How old are you, Sydney? I just turned 21. Two months ago, I'm finishing up uh, at college. I am a Texas Christian University senior and I'm graduating a semester early. Got to get the hell out of here. That is unbelievable, Sydney, that you are 21 and a Forbes 30 under 30 nominee. Like, I'm not kidding. When I saw that in your line, I was like, this girl's unreal. I need to be her friend. I need her on my podcast because that is such a huge accomplishment. And I want to dive into that a little bit. But before that, I just want to say I recently moved to Dallas, Texas a year ago. So maybe (gasps) when a pandemic is not happening, you and I, we can have a coffee chat. As soon as this pandemic is over, girl, we need to get some coffee or some Mars. I'm in. Sydney, you have a great story to tell. I want you to start about how did this all happen? You know, you became this real estate mogul. I know there's a lot of factors in your life that led to this. Do you want to tell Mm -hmm. the listeners a little bit more? Absolutely. So my whole life, I was kind of groomed in business. And I grew up going to conferences and going to public events. My third grade teacher, she reached back out to me a year ago and she was laughing and she was like, I knew that you were special when the first day of classes, you were the only child that I had ever taught that gave me a handshake. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like me. But when I turned 14, my dad passed away. And that was a pivotal moment in my life, completely changed my whole normal. And he had a small real estate company, you know, came on there, started learning the family business. And from that, I've started a investment company that's a global investment company that supports women, minorities, and LGBTQ founders. It's called Daring Greatly. I started a real estate development company and we're building one of the first smart builders things in Kansas City. In the past two months, I've been building a augmented and virtual reality company for real estate developers. It's been a whole challenge in itself. (laughs) It's super fun to just do things that you're like, ah, I shouldn't be doing this. I'm not qualified, but I'm going to do it. I finished a children's book and I'm working on my second one. I don't even know where (laughs) I want to start with. So age 14, pivotal moment, life change. You've always had this business mindset and you just knew that you needed to step up to the plate, right? Honestly, that experience of just kind of experiencing some kind of mortality, it shakes you up a little bit and it kind of makes you wake up and realize this is all you got. I wanted people to remember me as like this big legacy. And so I started building it when I was 14. How did this lead to this Forbes 30 under 30 <laughs> nomination? I feel like anyone out there who has a business mindset or is driven at all has been like, That's a huge goal of mine. And then to get this goal achieved, 
at least at such a young age, 21 years old, like you're barely even eligible for a 30 under 38. What was that process like? Well, I'll be totally honest with you and I'll say it was 80% hard work and a lot of luck. And I think that manifestation has a lot to do with it too. So I was actually in New York last summer and I was working at this financial analysis job. I hated every moment of it and I was just like, this is not my cup of tea. I am born to be an entrepreneur. That is truly what I'm supposed to do. But I'm glad I figured that out. And so I was sitting in Central Park and I remember just making an entire list of the craziest things that I could do. And one of them was be on Forbes 30 under 30. And I called my friend in that moment before any of this had even happened. And I said, hey, I just want to let you know this year, I'm going to be on Forbes 30 under 30. And she was like, okay, I admire you. I love you. You know, I support you, but don't be upset when it doesn't happen. And I literally meditated for 10 minutes every single morning. And I just literally spoke it out into the universe. And one day I got an email and it said, You've been nominated for Forbes 30 under 30. And it was insane. Yeah, I was nominated under finance and consumer technology, mostly for daring greatly for my work with helping female and minority and LGBTQ founders. That is remarkable. The more you talk, the more (laughs) I'm like, I'm amazed. Just for background for you, I'm only 23 years old. Most of my coworkers are, you know, over the age of 28. So I find myself to be out of the curve. But I feel like, girl, you are out there. I need to start manifesting. (laughs) You're changing my mindset. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about your children's book. This seems like a very off the beaten path for you. You're very business motivated, real estate finance. but how did that come to life? 14 is a really weird age because you're still a child and you're also old enough to understand everything that's happening. So when I lost my dad, I really, I was grateful that I had such an amazing childhood with my dad still around and everything. And so I was kind of at this weird point where I could imagine my childhood and I could reflect on it. And so I still understood it from that kind of perspective of losing someone way too early in your life. But I was also old enough to understand what was going on. I really had a lot of empathy for kids that may have lost their parents earlier on in their childhood. And so I wrote this book and it's called Still With You. It's a children's book for kids that have lost a parent early on in their life. It was absolutely amazing. I funded the whole thing, donated thousands of copies, and didn't make a single dime off of the entire book. And it was the best decision that I've ever made. I think a children's book is a great idea, especially when you have such a unique topic that you're passionate about to discuss and like shed light on with a child. I think there's a lot of room for growth with children's books. I think that's a very hard topic, but to have a book that a kid could read themselves and like relate to is really awesome. Let's talk a little bit about your college career. So what are you majoring in in college? What's it like being established already as an adult in the world when most of your peers are out there partying, rushing Greek life, doing rowdy boy things? Tell me about that. (laughs) To be honest, I don't really think that I'm successful. I still think that I'm like on my way. But I'm a entrepreneurship and innovation major, which is literally the only reason why I've been able to stay in school. Professors really support me starting my own business. And all of our classes are surrounded around, you know, how to raise money to start your company, how to go through feasibility, how to prototype and everything else. So it's kind of a mixture between business and engineering, which has been really helpful. My college life is probably different for normal people, but it's all that I know. And so to me, it's like my normal. Do you find as someone who obviously 
obviously is all about being professional and you really have to level up as a 20 year old Mm -hmm. trying to play in such an adult field. Do you feel like you're always putting on this face or like can't be as degenerative in college as you'd like because you're trying to keep this professional persona? I don't even think it's like a persona anymore. I think it's just... There are so many different projects going on that my Sundays are my Mondays and my Saturdays are my Fridays. I'm always in the office. I'm always working. And my true friends understand that. And so I think just surrounding myself with people that understand that my life looks different and my social life looks different and I'm not going to go to the parties with you because to be honest, I've gone to a couple and I get there and like after 20 minutes, I'm like, man, this is boring. I'd rather be doing a business plan or doing media or press or whatever. And so I think it's just a difference of personality. I've really surrounded myself with really awesome people that understand that finding your group, you know, has been difficult. Sydney, (laughs) a question that I'm dying to ask you is what is it like (laughs) dating being you? Because I find myself, I'm ahead professionally, be a little bit intimidating, but to be financially more stable, like at a different place in my career and life and like knowing what I want than like a guy who's 23. So I just want to ask you, what are your thoughts on that? Dating is non-existent. I don't even know where I'd fit him into my schedule, but um, (laughs) I just embrace that I am intimidating. I wear pink suits weekly and I'm very comfortable with my feminine and masculine energy. And if you can't handle that, I'm not lowering my standards to appease you. You know, run with the wolves or walk with the dogs, buddy. With my friend groups from college or even from hometown friends, I feel like I'm even in a different place than them sometimes. It makes that a little bit of a barrier for just doing things in general or talking about finances. It makes conversations a little bit more difficult. And that's the thing too, is that I'm a big advocate and you know, I'm totally the person that will bring up money at the dinner table. If you don't talk about money, you'll never have it. A lot of 20 year olds who are listening to this need to be familiar with 401ks and investing in your future. And it's important to have a savings account. Like I understand you want to go out there and have a spending spree and go on all these luxurious vacations with your friends. And it's hard to say no, but I mean, it's a double-edged sword. You need to be putting money away and saving for your future. I think so many people don't want to sacrifice any of the now because everyone in our lives has told us, whenever you're young, it's the best part of your life. And I always thought that that was such crap. If my 20s are the best time of my life, the rest of my life is going to suck. I want every day to be the best part. Yeah, Um, I want every day to be better than the last. You know, invest in tomorrow and do something today that like your future self is going to be like, good job. It's a lot easier to put a little bit away now and have that grow and be exponential. Whoever's out there listening. Open a bank account, invest in your Roth IRA, get a 401k, do everything. If you literally invest $5,000 every year, starting at 20, by the time that you're 65, you will have $1.5 million if you did nothing else. You're a rich girl. We should emphasize that again. $1.5 million. Rich girl. Let's talk a little bit about your future and what your plans are going ahead. I know you mentioned maybe Cape Town, maybe New York. What's that going to look like? I feel like you're the kind of person who doesn't necessarily want to work for someone, but is that what's in your (laughs) immediate future? I think the future 
future is something that I obviously make a plan for, but I hold very steadfast to the rule of making the plan and then ditching it every time. So being completely (laughs) adaptable and making the plan for how you're going to live on the moon, but then being excited about living on Mars. And so I love to just brainstorm all of the ways that I can push humanity forward. All of it, space exploration, developing cities, figuring out how we can put nanobots into our bloodstream so that we never have viruses and we're never sick. I literally love that you think so big picture. Like personally, like I'm driven, but I'm very small-minded, right? Like little goals to big goals. I'm like five-year plan, 10-year plan kind of person, but you are like (laughs) gonna save the world. And I'm so honored that you're on my podcast. So one day I can be like, I need that girl. And then she won a Nobel Peace Prize. All of my favorite futurists, they always say, The day before the breakthrough, it's just a crazy idea. And I literally have that quote everywhere, all over my office. It's actually on a sticky note on the back of my phone. Sydney, I need to know what is on your bucket list? You know, I think for me, big picture wise, as a little girl growing up, I was always surrounded by all of these very powerful men in business. We look at the Forbes list and it's got, you know, Jeff Bezos and Larry Page and Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. And... I always looked at that list and I always thought, you know what, there's not that many girls that made it their own. And if they are, they're, you know, the Walmart kids. And so I always struggled with that of, you know, who has the career path like me? Who wants to do everything? Who is the female Elon Musk, if you will? And so I think creating that legacy and showing girls that they don't have to be just a publisher. You don't have to be just a wealth management person like literally dream up the craziest things and go high risk bet that you'll lose it all and maybe you will but guess what you'll build it all back my goal is by the time i die i want 50 companies but i mean i understand that nine out of ten startups nine out of Mm -hmm. ten companies will fail so i kind of rationalize it in my head of okay if i start 50 i should have at least five companies running You, I'm like amazed that you (laughs) exist in this world. I think you're so right. I think it's important. I don't think people, especially in the business world, especially in the entrepreneurship world, there's not enough female role models out there. And I think it takes a certain kind of person to go out there and put themselves on the, on the edge to lose it all. That's amazing that that's something you want to do. You know, I think every person knows if they have the entrepreneurship gene or if they don't, for instance, it's not for me. I'm more than happy yeah. to help run your entrepreneurship company, but I don't <laughs> want to be the one funding or ideating behind it. So from an entrepreneurship perspective, mm-hmm. do you have a list of like, anytime you think of something, you just like write it down. If I could start this, I would. I think I have um, 19 different notes on my phone that are literally all titled the mind of a startup addict. Um, and that's how I like identify like different things about culture that I want to incorporate. There's just like little things. I incorporated the creativity budget. And so every single person on the team gets a certain amount and do something either relating to work or totally non-relating to work. Go try something and then report back to me and tell me what you failed at or what you succeeded at. And if you succeeded, I'll give you more money to start it. Like my goal isn't for you to work for me for the rest of your life. Like I want you to inspire everybody else and then, you know, get inspired and go start something else. Yeah, I think it's really hard. I work for a very large company. It's very corporate. It's very buttoned up. I feel like every company is trying to move to this, be who you want to be, individualistic style, but you're still working for corporate America. And I think it's really hard 
to get some of that inspiration and leadership of people who are like, hey, we do want you to grow and we want you to be so happy here that you bring your ideas here and let that passion grow together. That creates and cultivates a culture that you want to continue to be a part of. And I think corporate America is going to have to become that way as these future generations continue to go into the workforce. Otherwise, it's just going to mold these people who have burnout and then ultimately leave and go somewhere else until they find that inspiration. Yeah. And I think burnout is so important. That's literally why I have 20 things on my list at all time is because when you work a hundred hours a week, you've got to have different things to alternate between, or you're going to hate it. For a lot of people, that's really stressful. For me, that's like the only way that I can get through it. Like if I just had one, oh my God, I'd be bored to tears. I wouldn't know what to do with myself. Sydney, what do you do for fun? <laughs> I, need to, I, feel like, I feel like your work-life balance is non-existent. I feel like your life oh, yeah. is your work. I'm an ENTJ personality type. So I don't know if you're into like the Myers-Briggs or anything. I'm an ENFJ. ENFJ. Okay. You're so close. So all of my happiness is an achievement. Weekends, I'm in the office by 6 a.m. Like it, it doesn't change anything for me because the things that I would be doing during the week are the same things that I would be doing during the weekend. I always say... I would rather look more forward to Mondays than only look forward to Fridays, right? Because if you live your life looking forward to Fridays, then you're excited about two and a half days out of the entire week, right? Versus if you are excited about Mondays, you get five days to be excited plus two on the weekend. Really focusing on what are the things that I could be doing that will make me so excited to get up at 5 a.m. and be in the office at six. Yeah, work-life balance totally does not exist for me. I'll be totally honest. Yeah, but for fun, art museums, I'm a huge, like, art museum fanatic. And I read while I walk. So you read on the treadmill? Yes. That's genius. I am a very stagnant reader. Like, I have to be sitting down. But maybe I should try that. <laughs> Let's talk books now that we're on the topic. <laughs> Inspiration, self-help, and real estate investing books. I'm always looking for new strategies. So my best real estate investment book is Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. My best self-help book, I have two. So one is called Everything is Figure Outable by Marie Forleo. It's basically adopting perspective about how, yeah, you don't have to have everything figured out, but if you just say everything is figure outable, like you'll just find a way around everything and you'll just fail until you succeed, which I love that book with a passion. The next one is How to Be a Hepburn in a Hilton World. Oh, it is so cute. It's all about how to be classy, just living a life where you're above all of the, you know, social media and just conforming to society. Just live, just live how you want to live. I feel like the books I'm reading are different than you, but in the same mentality of like self-help. I mean, one I'm reading right now is like the art of receiving feedback. Since starting this podcast, that. this is like been the biggest issue is like, I want people to give me feedback but when it's not something I want to hear I automatically am like you're wrong and that's mm. something I've had issues with throughout my entire career so it basically talks about like why are you triggered by getting feedback and like how to yeah. basically grow to learn and accept it Love that. the other book I feel like you would be interested in is nice girls don't get the corner office I've read that I love it yes, yes. I love that book Sydney, for background, I end every episode with pet peeves relative to the topic we've been talking about. Today's yeah. topic is entrepreneurship. Yeah. I think my biggest pet peeve, 
would-be pyramid schemes. I mean, look, I'm all for you being your own boss and, you know, hustling or whatever else. But when you make money off of somebody else putting in 100 hours a week, I just don't think that's right. I think, you know, put in your own work, do your own time. And there's no shortcut. Anytime that there's a shortcut to success or you can make, you know, six figs in one month, it just <laughs> run for the hills. Good God. Well, yeah. Sydney, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and reaching out to me about coming on this podcast. Otherwise, I would have never even found you. Of course. This was so fun. You are so like-minded. And I can literally tell from our conversation, you're going to go far. I'm excited. We need to stay connected. If you enjoyed today's podcast, go to our Instagram, follow us, give us a like, give us a shout out, tell your mom, tell your grandma, and leave us a comment. Thanks for joining us.